Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about pool planning. This is episode one with the help of special guest Jack Miller of Jack Miller Contractors in Williamstown, Mass. Alongside Tim Fowler, I am your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hi, everyone. Tim Fowler here. Welcome to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. And like I always do, uh, please send me ideas. One of the hardest things about being a podcast host is just coming up with ideas to keep this train rolling. So uh, send them to me. Tim at RemodelersAdvantage.com. I also want to take just a minute to uh, say that we are starting a seventh production managers roundtable. Many of you have heard me talk about that uh, on these podcasts. In fact, many of our guests have been from that program. Um, If you're interested in in that at all, get in touch with me through that same email address, Tim at RemodelersAdvantage.com. And uh, I'd love to share that with you. Uh, if possible. So I'm really excited about today's topic. Okay. It's really hard for me to describe how excited I am because I believe wholeheartedly that with working out some details, and I'm sure our guest will uh, help us understand that this is not an easy thing to do, particularly in the residential world, but we can do a much better job of scheduling projects. So this idea of pull planning is a staple in the commercial world. And ever since I've heard about it, ever since it kind of came to my mind, I've been looking around to try to find somebody, and I'll use this term, that's at least trying to make it work, okay, in the residential world. Now, I've always called it pull scheduling. I believe the official term is pull planning. But maybe another way to say it is instead of focusing on like end dates all the way along, uh, we're not or excuse me, start dates all the way along. We start focusing more on completion dates and completion of certain milestones. So as it happens frequently, our guest actually sent me an email and said, hey, Tim, do you know something about this? Have you had any experience with this? And now, of course, he's a guest. So. Uh, don't let that scare you away from making suggestions uh, for the show. They don't always end up as guests, but in many cases, people I chat with, they end up as our guests. So our guest has been working on making this concept work in his business, and I'm sure they're not done working on it, and, but I did want to get the discussion started. And once we start the discussion, if we can keep it rolling, Probably some other folks out there are going to say, hey, what about doing this? And how about if we do that? You know, if we take this idea and throw it in there and that if we as an industry, residential remodeling, can really take this idea from commercial, adapt it, I really, really do believe it's going to change the way we do scheduling. So this is the first of two podcasts. uh, And today we're going to talk about the concept. And then in the next one, we'll have our guest back and we're going to talk about like what's going on at his business. So Steve, let's get started. 
All right. So Jack Miller learned the trade from his father, a builder and remodeler in Northeast Ohio. Inspired to choose a life in the trades, Jack developed a keen interest in the building craft and applied building science. He started Jack Miller Contractors in 2007 with the vision of a team of highly skilled professionals working together to deliver exceptional projects, a vision which has since come to fruition. Away from his company, Jack is a happily married father of six who also leads his parish buildings and grounds committee and is on the advisory committee to Charles H. McCann Technical School. Welcome to the show, Jack. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Tim. It's great to be here. Yeah, this is, like I said, this is going to be exciting. So just give us a little bit more about uh, Jack Miller Contractors. A little, you know, where, where is it right now? How did you get started? Sure. Like, what's your journey been? Sure. So we are in, we're located in Williamstown, Massachusetts, which is as far from Boston as you can get and still be in the <laughs> state. It's much more like what you might picture Southern Vermont to be. Uh, it's home of Williams College. So classic, small town, New England college, college town kind of place. Our, our uh, market, what we're serving, the high design, high performance residential market. So our uh, projects are typically in the range of a million dollars or more uh, for a project uh, budget. But we started with small projects like, <laughs> like many other people. So uh, remember those days well. All right. So let's let's talk about let's jump right into it. So how did you hear about this thing? Uh, pull planning or maybe let's just talk about what it is first. Yeah, what sure. Is pull planning the way you understand it. Sure. So maybe even to step back a, a, a step from that, the uh, is recognizing the scheduling problem that we have in our industry and that we experienced as a company, this is, uh, we're tired of this same old sharp stick in our eye, right? Let's get a new <laughs> stick this to poke ourselves with. Uh, because schedule failures, they frustrate everybody. They frustrate right. the current client. They frustrate the future client because their project is delayed, right? They frustrate your team. They're tired of being on this job and it taking longer than they expect. And it busts not only the project budget, but it busts your earnings forecast it just makes lots and lots of chaos. And so, Tim, as we've talked before, uh, that if you can f somehow improve that situation, you've improved about 80% of your other problems just right. by, by addressing schedule. And so pull planning is a way to get at improving that, that situation. Um, we, we tried other, other tools, but, but they didn't have uh, quite the success we hoped for. So you asked what, what is pull planning in a nutshell? It's a scheduling tool that is uh, designed to collaboratively plan the project with the people who are actually on site leading and doing, doing the work on site through a next milestone. So maybe uh, six to eight weeks taking a short time frame and building the schedule together with the people who are there doing the work. Okay. So let me just make sure we, we understand this. So we're, we're talking about, uh, I'm assuming you have a long-term schedule, right? You have a schedule for the whole job, right? But you're talking about breaking it down into six to eight week 
or milestones where there it may be five weeks and it may be 10 weeks, but they're milestones that you're trying to hit. And that's where you're putting your emphasis in terms of the pull planning. Right. So normally on a project you have, you know, your start date, you know, your contractual end date, and then you identify the milestones in that schedule that you need to hit in order to successfully hit that contractual end date. So for instance, a common milestone on new construction might be drywall ready. So all the things that need to happen between landing on site the first day and being ready for the drywall to be hung, that would be the milestone that you're working toward. So this is a, it's not a new concept, but it's something I really emphasize when I'm doing training on scheduling is because I don't think people pay attention to milestones. I think they just go framing is going to be six weeks, rough in is going to be eight weeks. And they don't go like, Hey, this is a milestone. So it sounds to me like that's one of the major components of this poll planning is this is a milestone that we, and, and I'm assuming Jack, we have to hit it. We have to hit it and we have to define what it means to hit it. So okay. what does it mean to be drywall ready? Is everything inspected? Are we literally drywall ready? What, what, what does that mean? What exactly does successfully hitting that milestone mean? Okay, let's come back to that for a second, because I do sure. want to get a little more background here. Where did you hear about this thing? What, what, yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned you needed a new stick to poke yourself with. Right. So I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming you started looking around and, yeah. and where did you hear about this? Where, what, where did it come from? So pole planning is a piece of what is called the last planner production system, which has been developed by the Lean Construction Institute. The Lean Construction Institute is taking lean thinking that's common in the manufacturing world, well-developed in the manufacturing world, most famously with the Toyota production system. They're applying that kind of philosophy and thinking to the construction world. Okay. So we've had a couple of podcasts on the on the lean lean uh, idea and trying to bring it into the residential world, but almost everybody that I talk to uh, when I start talking about it go like, yeah, that works in a factory, but you know it. And I I will admit too that some of the things that they're emphasized in the pure lean only works in a factory, or it's most commonly works in a factory. So what we're trying to do is bring some of that stuff over into residential. Uh, construction. So give us a little bit more about that. So um, I think there's some things like pillars and things like that that are part of this process. Give us some more about that. Sure. So an important thing and, and, and the thing that really grabbed me about lean philosophy and lean thinking is what they describe as the two pillars of lean. And the one is constant improvement. The other is respect for the individual. So those are the things that undergird the whole way of thinking. And pool planning is, is really an out, outgrowth or an outworking of those pillars. So improvement and respect. Constant improvement and respect for the individual. Okay. All right. Good. All right. So uh, you mentioned the Lean Construction Institute. I'm assuming we could find that online. And you know, take advantage of any of the resources that they have, that they have there. So maybe in a nutshell, 
again, give us what this uh, last, uh, what, is, what did you say the, the uh, last planner idea is? What, what is that? Sure. So the last planner, a last planner is the last person planning the work on site. So the plumbing foreman is the last planner, not, not the estimator, not their general manager, not, not the business owner, but the guy actually saying, okay, today we're going to do this on site. Those are the last planners, the people running the work on, on site. And so the last planner system is how do we engage those folks, respect for the individual in planning the work collaboratively? And pool planning is a, is a sort of technical term. It's, it's a specific conversation where you build that schedule to the next milestone. Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna jump right into, into that. So we have the milestone, uh, we can say, drywall ready or completion of rough ends or however you want to define it. And I think everybody in with listening would know where their milestones are if they pay attention to them. So then what happens? Let's just say it's drywall ready because that's probably one of the more complex milestones that has to be hit. So what would happen? What, what would happen in concept to hit that milestone in this pull planning idea? Sure. So let's say you're you're studying a new build and you're planning from the foundation to drywall ready. You're going to identify everybody who has a has a significant piece of work during that phase. So you would likely have your framers, all your mechanical trades, your plumbers, electricians, HVAC, maybe your home automation folks, anybody who has a piece of work during that phase. You're going to get their last planners. So the foreman who's actually going to be on site, you're going to get them together on site for a two hour, three hour meeting to plan that schedule. And essentially what you're doing is building a physical Gantt chart on site. Okay. Now, would this take place now you, you mentioned, you know, from foundation, would this take place after the foundation is all done or would this assume would this take place in an atmosphere where, okay, team, let's assume the foundation is done. So it might actually be done like before all that. Yeah. Ideally it would take place a couple weeks ahead of the start of that phase. Right. Right. And, and so just to give a little more of the nuts and bolts, you uh, take a whiteboard in our case, sometimes you can use uh, large poster paper, you divide it into weeks in columns, and then you get a bunch of uh, sticky notes of different colors. Each trade is a different color. You give them all Sharpies, and they divide their work into chunks of no more than a week, and they write down on that. And In fact, uh, our listeners can't see this, but, but we're looking at our, on screen. We have a uh, pull plan ARK is our framer, and next week, they're going to do, on this specific pull plan we're looking at, they're going to do second floor framing. It's going to take three guys, three days to do that next week. And, and so, each trade is doing that, that sort of work. They're writing down their, their work and how long it's going to take and how many guys are going, are going to be on that task. So instead of your superintendent 
telling your framer, you've got three days to get this done. You're asking your framer to tell you, and, and not just, I've got six weeks of framing, I'll see you at the end, but on a weekly basis, what is his goal and how many people will he have on the job site? Is that right? That's right. And that's right, because as you move through the project, you have them interfacing or sequencing with the other trades. So you have electrical components that may need to go in. In our case, we have uh, some, some conduit that needs to, to go in during framing. And so we need to know when are we going to be ready for that electrician to do his work. And the, uh, the electrician needs to know that. And, and so on. So we're trying to set up the sequencing of events. Now, I can just hear, again, I, I, if you've ever listened to a podcast, you've heard me say this. Like, I can hear the audience out there going, like, they're just going to throw, you know, way too much time in there to, to cover their, you know, derrieres. And, th and they might not even know what's going on. So give us a little idea, like, what does that trade have to come to the the meeting with? What do they have to be able to bring to the equation to make this work? Yeah, that, that's a great question and something we've learned the hard way. They, there are several prerequisites because what you need is a reliable promise from each trade. So in order for them to make a reliable promise during this pull planning session, whoever comes needs to have authority to make promises for their team. So they can't come commit to a schedule that that gets overruled by the company owner, right? They have to have the authority to make the schedule. They have to know what their company schedule is. And you, you might think this is obvious. It's not obvious. Right. Ask us how we know. <laughs> <laughs> they also need to know their scope. So, you know, it's, off, it's, it's pretty common in our world. We have owner operators, small shop there. Everybody's busy right now. And so they might, have looked at the plans when they did the estimate two months ago and they might not break the, that set of plans open until the day they arrive on site. Well, we're asking them, no, you need to know your scope well when you arrive at this meeting. So they have, need to have authority. They need to uh, know their ske company schedule. They need to know their actual scope on site and the material lead times that are relevant to that work. So with that in mind, um, you know, we're talking about the last planner being the plumber that actually comes out to the job. Maybe it ought to be the owner or is there a, is there a challenge to this idea that it has to be the person performing the work versus the owner who may not be on the job site, but they have all this authority? What, how, how do you work that out? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And, and it's a difficult thing or seems more difficult in our residential scale because we have owner operators right. as well as, as crew. So it, it can depend on that, that specific trade, but it's whoever is going to lead, have schedule control on the site to say, okay, today we're going to work on roughing in our waste piping on the second floor, right? Whoever's gonna make that kind of decision and be able to say it should take this long, that's who it needs to be. That sometimes is, is an owner, sometimes is the 
um, actual tradesmen on, on who's doing the work depends on the on the specific company. Okay, just kind of following that up a little bit. As you were talking about getting this stuff done, did you have like a meeting with all your trades to say this is the way it ha- this is the way we want this to operate and and kind of go through some conversations so that that business owner was able was okay with handing off schedule control to his master plumber or master electrician is that is that the way this worked for you guys yeah so the way we started as we were learning about it we stumbled on a longtime commercial superintendent who is also a lean trainer and a and a uh, trainer for pool planning and we had him come in and do a day-long seminar. The first part of it was teaching us the whole philosophy. And we had our trades there for a specific uh, project. And we actually did a pull plan together there with them. Now, certainly we've learned a lot since then. We continue to learn and learn what we need to help our trades understand. Hi, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, You've likely heard me refer to our production manager roundtables. Many of the people that have been on the show have been members of this program, and oftentimes they're some of our most popular guests. If you're not familiar with it, a few years back, we took the roundtables concept that has been so popular with Remodelers Advantage members and started groups specifically for production managers. Very similar format to what the owners are doing, but focused on production issues and really diving into best practices among some of the best remodeling companies out there. We meet twice a year for two days at each meeting, collect and discuss performance metrics for each company, and we support each other throughout the year with microboards, smaller groups of your peers who meet monthly via Zoom to discuss issues and ask for input. So whether you're a business owner looking to improve your production team or a production manager that needs help taking your department to the next level, we have a spot for you if you're interested. If you're interested in learning more, email me at tim at remodelersadvantage.com and I'll tell you more about it. So kind of going back to like who has the authority on the job site. So, and I'm going to ask this in a very negative way. I think I know what the answer is, but so your superintendent just stands back and goes, okay, you do what you got to do. Or the words we hate to hear on the Tim Fowler show, it is what it is, whatever you guys want to do. Is that the way, is that sort of the role of the superintendent in this thing? No, the, the thing that the hedge, I guess, against uh, people just padding their numbers, you asked about that before, the hedge is yeah. we have to hit this milestone. So how are you going to do it? And you're building a collaborative, trusting way of working together. So instead of a um, advantage seeking or uh, self-protective way of working, this is a collaborative way of working. You tell us, you're the expert, and what do, what's the best way to go about this? And, and let's work it out together. The superintendent leads the meeting but is not making the decisions about the sequencing. Okay. (laughs) Jack, we really dove right in here um, and we're getting into a lot of the nuts and bolts, but when you um, maybe you've always kind of looked at the 
Lean Construction Institute, but um, w- was it a certain job size that really said, hey, we're at this you know million dollar job level or number of projects, number of employees? Like, what was that number one catalyst on, hey, we need to do something different, let's explore, or it was introduced and say, hey, let's adopt? How did it happen for you? Yeah, I think it was we were at, our projects were at a scale where they were pretty complex, lots of, of um, moving pieces and recognizing the problem. At the same time, I'm learning about lean thinking. I'm learning from the Lean Construction Institute. And so we try, decided to try to apply this idea. Since then, uh, as we've learned, I think this can be applied to almost any size project in principle. The mechanics are going to be a little different. We had yesterday a meeting with a client and an architect on a project. We're just beginning pre-construction services with them. And we actually had a Zoom meeting with them. We did a little Gantt chart. We did it online. It's not the ideal way to do a pull plan, but we did it online and we did a very similar kind of thing. How much time do you need to do schematic drawings? How much time do we need to develop a ballpark budget? How much time do you need Mr. and Mrs. Owner, to review that and give your thoughts. And so we did, we planned out essentially a project, a development project. So quick follow-up to that. So, I mean, I assume the buy-in and training is big. So kind of two questions. So the old way of doing it, what were the symptoms you saw? Um, You mentioned loss of money, those types of things. And then the amount of buy-in to, to say who's on board with it in terms of your trade partners, subs, people like that. Yeah. You know, in, in part we get, we get because we're providing a lot of work for folks and we've developed collaborative ways of working. They know that that's part of our DNA. So we get uh, maybe some buy-in that helps us with the buy-in. Now, certainly when a schedule breaks down, I've heard multiple times pull planning doesn't work because the pull plan, the actual day of the pull plan, it's a lot of fun. It's collaborative. You set up, everybody puts their stickies up and they work together to create the sequencing. It's fun. It's teamwork. You walk away thinking, all right, we got this. And then what we learned later is the real work starts to actually pull this off, right? It's only the start the starting piece. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a long process. Awesome. So what's the work, you know, again, in the next episode, we're going to talk about the details for Jack Miller contractors, but what's the, the work that happens uh, after the pull plan is put together? Is there a way to kind of structure that or define that in a way that we can kind of get our heads wrapped around what makes it work? If we do these things, it will make it work better or more effectively? Sure. So in the Lean Construction Institute's training on this, they identify five conversations that need to happen. The first of which is the actual pull plan. And then you have a three-week look ahead, a regular rolling three-week look ahead or a mid-ready plan, they sometimes and who, call it. Who does who does that? This, with the same people. They're collaborating again. These are each conversation. So it's not the superintendent 
sitting in the job trailer or the PM sitting in the office reevaluating the schedule. It's a collaborative conversation, each of these. So, okay, so tell, us, tell us a little bit about how that actually works. I mean, is it like week, like you put the poll plan together, then the day that segment that starts, everybody gets together and looks three weeks ahead. And then at the end of those three weeks, they look three weeks again. Is that the way it works? It, it would be. So you've planned out, say, an eight week phase of work. Right. And now and, and that says, OK, in this week, we're going to have three guys there for three days, for instance. OK, well, three weeks, you're now looking just three instead of eight weeks down the road, you're looking three weeks down the road and saying, which days are we going okay. to do that? And okay. your key, a key component is what are our constraints? Do we have the okay. materials we need or are, are, are the other constraints being being lifted for us? Okay. So that's the second conversation. Then you yep. have a weekly work plan. So it's Friday afternoon. What are we doing next week? What are we doing Monday morning? What are we doing Tuesday afternoon? So on. Then you have a daily huddle every day on site. You're gathering the, the folks leading the work on site. Here's where we're working today. Here's where you're working today. Do we have any constraints? Do we have any conflicts? And then the fifth conversation is a regular debrief or update of the plan because you're always adapting the plan. Now, that's um, how do you apply that in the residential world, a smaller scale world, when right. those folks aren't on site for such a long period of time to right. plan, the, plan the future work? And that's really the hard work of how do you apply these principles to our residential construction market? Yeah, so I can, I can see you know, use, of, use of video, uh, maybe part of that, but I think what you're selling us is that the challenge is to find the way to do it because it works as opposed to we can't do that in residential. Is that, uh, are, what are you doing, I guess, to, to kind of find the solutions for these things? Yeah. So the superintendents are setting up a regular cadence of check-ins with the folks who are due on site in a couple of weeks saying, hey, are you still on track? Do you have the materials you need? Uh, oh, by the way, we're a day ahead. Does that work for you? Or do you need to stick to your schedule? Or we're a day late. Can, is there any way we can figure out that how to make this three-day phase into a two-day phase so we can catch back up? What, what can we do? And then uh, the, again, the week ahead and again, daily. So these increasing conversations, continuing conversations of increasing detail, and that might be a text with a picture of the pull plan. Hey, it says you're going to be here next week. Still good. Right. Yeah. I was just, I was uh, just wondering, no. does the pull plan stay sticky notes or does somebody take a picture of it and now it becomes a digital document? It stays sticky notes. It stays on site. So it's a big visual marker on site. And the difference is not only do you see it every day and you see your colors, what if you're pink, you see where you're supposed to be. But you know, I made that promise. I wrote that down. I put it on that week. I'm the electrician. I, I promise to be done with this by this this particular time. So the PM doesn't make that schedule. And now if I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. 
I made that schedule, I better keep my promise. You know, I'm now, just sitting think- here. I'm just sitting here wondering if this works like, uh, like for a smaller project, if you're just doing a trade walk where you have it there and they get to, and then you then you work out the conflicts later on, but they get to say, you know, while they're reviewing the job, they say, I need three days for two guys to be here and I'd like them to be these days. Does that make any sense? Sure. Sure. So maybe a kitchen or a bathroom, you could do that uh, during the trade walk, ideally visually, and ideally everybody's writing their own scope of work on that and you're you're planning it out. It it remains stickies because you're moving around usually during the plan. We're going to do it this week. Oh, wait, we need to readjust and, and let's sort of collaboratively work this out. And then the reality of any plan is it's a starting point. It's a baseline and you're going to have to make some adjustments. So it's easier with stickies. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. Man, there's so much stuff here to kind of drag your brain around. It's a, it's a little, little mind boggling to me. I can see why, you know, you guys got started and you're kind of constantly, constantly working on it. So Again, kind of the idea of where you mentioned one person that you had come in and do uh, do some training. I'd like you to give us any more information we might need, you know, about him. And then there, are there some other avenues of getting uh, some education on this so that beyond the podcast, people can start looking into it and, you know, is, does this work for me and how would I adapt it? So one easy thing is go to YouTube and search for pole planning, construction pole planning, and you can see actual uh, pole planning sessions happening. You can see, uh, find trainings on how to do a pole plan. The, you can also go to the Lean Construction Institute website. They have a lot of resources there. There may be, depending on uh, location, the Associated General Contractors and Lean Construction Institute often collaborate in offering trainings. So you can get, there are a lot of resources out there. And there are other folks, these large uh, regional and national commercial contractors, commercial, uh, commercial contractors, they have folks on staff often who train other superintendents how to do these. And they're happy to come lead a training. You just have to find them. Yeah. Wow. All right. So I, 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 I don't remember, but I'd love to, I think you might've said something about this, but, but how did you get your, your team on board with this? In other words, you know, again, maybe traditional superintendent that, you know, Hey, the job's mine. I make the schedule. You, you do what I say, which we know doesn't work because nobody does what they're told. They do what they choose to do which was what makes pole planning really work. But how did you get your team really on board with this? Or maybe are, how are you getting your team on board with it and, and making the transition? Yeah, I think the, the start is you paint a picture of how can we make our work easier? And it's the same with the trades. How can we make it easier for you to come on site have everything you need to be able to come on site, do your work, get off site, get paid. So your work's easier in the trades. Your work is easier as a superintendent because you're not constantly butting heads with people. You're not 
constantly uh, dealing with this conflict. Let's work in a collaborative way. And, and folks like that idea. Now, yeah. when it doesn't work, it's really easy to just fall back to making decisions as the project manager or the superintendent and working on your Gantt chart on screen, pulling things around. It's easy to fall back into that when the pull plan seems like it, it falls apart rather than re-upping and re-engaging trade contractors who may not have kept their promise or maybe we didn't keep our promise. So how, how do you pick up the pieces and uh, create a success out of that? So I guess you started down the path a little bit of what, what, what breaks it down. And I guess part of that is we didn't do what we we're supposed to do. But of course, we know that the general contractor never screws up, right? It's always right. the trade contractors that create the problem. But trade contractors maybe don't live up to what, are there any other things that you see that um, where it breaks down? Sure. So a great example, we did our first, first pull plan in that session where we had the commercial superintendent come do our training. Right. Had a great day, collaborative work. The tile setter couldn't be there for about three weeks. It might've been four weeks. And so it was going to delay the project, but we all dealt with the, the ramifications of that. We made the best uh, possible solution. All walked away. This is great. And then the next week, the superintendent said, hey, the tile setter, he's there this week. He said he can come now and do it. And we thought that was great. We didn't realize we just screwed up the whole schedule. Now he's on site. The work that was supposed to happen is being interrupted because he's in the way. We thought that him being there early was great. So that's one way it can break down. You right. don't, you don't Something realize that you think that. is positive, but it turns out to be a negative. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Another way it can break down is did you actually look at that schedule? Are you doing today what you said you would be doing? You know, it seems obvious, but I'm here to tell you, it's not obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, again, one of those things that I tend to, to emphasize when I'm talking about scheduling in general is you, you have to actually use the schedule. You can't just create it and put it in a drawer or leave it on a desktop somewhere, or in this case, just, shove it over in the corner, you have to actually use it. Well, Jack, this has been really cool. Uh, great introduction. Uh, like I've already said, we're gonna, this is gonna be a two-part uh, podcast and we're gonna come back uh, next week with the second episode and just talk a little bit more about how it's really working at uh, Jack Miller Contractor. So thank you so much. And uh, we will... Uh, see everybody next week for the conclusion. This is where that it flashes up on the screen to be continued. Thank you, All Jack. Right. Thanks, guys. All right, take care. Well, Tim, I have uh, many, many, many thoughts here. Still working to uh, understand a lot of it, but man. Uh, all I have to say is I love when people are innovators, when people are on the cutting edge of finding better ways to do things. I do love that. I The you know, finding a new way to poke ourselves in the eye because I found many when I was in business. So, yeah. So I think the real key, the real key here is that continual improvement thing that yep. says, yep. you know what? Um, we have to find a better way. And I think our industry as a general rule is too good at saying, 
nothing will change. I mean, we don't ever say that because we know we're stupid for saying it. But the whole idea that it can't get any better. Scheduling is just a big trauma for everybody. All right. Well, is there a way to fix that? And going out and looking for a way to fix it. And then I think, I think Jack said it a couple of different times that, you know, you get into doing some of these things or trying some of these things and something falls apart. And it's such a knee-jerk reaction to just throw it out the window, as opposed to saying, you know what, these five things work. This one, we need to improve. We need to be better at this. We need to make adjustments here or there, or in the example that he gave, stand firm on something so that we don't mess everything up when we think it might be a good thing. And then the other thing that I think was really important that came out of it was getting everybody engaged. And, yep. and something that I've talked about a lot in all kinds of different places is what motivates people. What, what do you, and, and Jack's point was try to find a way to show that it'll be easier for them. You know, and so if you can, if you can show your trade contractor that it's going to be less chaos, it's going to be going to be a smoother uh, workflow. If you can convince your team that it's, they're not going to be laying awake at night worrying about what's going on and are we going to hit deadlines and things like that, it's it just gives life a little more smoothness to it. I think people will get on board, but. You know, again, we'll we'll see in the second episode, like what what's reality, what's working, what's yeah. really at reality for Jack Miller contract. Yep, and selling the concept of easier for them for people who have done it for thirty some years, you know, is a challenge in itself. But we've got another episode to get to next week, so we want to thank Jack Miller for joining us today, and we want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at the Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.